In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Yeah, I agree. It's on, on the topic of evolution, it, there's a fascinating book. There's two books, and I'll, and I'll go through them rather quickly. There's a book called um, The Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind by Julian Jaynes. And he was a, he was a scientist slash philosopher slash just all-around brilliant person. Uh, I, I think he came out of Berkeley. I might be butchering that. But he wrote a book about left brain, right brain. And in this book, he's, he, he says that, we used like the Broca's area and Vernica's area are the speech centers on the left hemisphere of the brain. However, he makes the argument that those centers used to be on the right side of the brain. And if you read the Homeric verses, if you read the great philosophers of the Greek and, and, and the Roman gods and these types of, of era poetry, a common theme you find in them is like, Ares came to me or Mars came to me. The, the, the God of war spoke to me and told me I must go into the gates to fight Agamemnon. And, you know, Aphrodite came to me and told me that this is the woman of my dreams and I need to go and, you know, sweep her away from this evil man she's with. And so, and we today, we look at that as metaphor. We look at it like, oh, he was, he was overcome with anger. But Julian Jane says, no, this was a voice they heard in their head. Each one of them heard Mars. They heard a voice talking to them. And when it was an angry voice, it was Mars. When it was a voice of love, it was Aphrodite. Maybe it was Zeus. And, you know, it was the emotions made sound. And it's such a fascinating book. He goes on to back up what he says in, in, doing, psych in, in doing work with today's schizophrenics. Because schizophrenics hear voices. And he would talk to some of these schizophrenics. And he says, you know, I realize you hear a voice in your head that tells you to do evil things, but why do you do it? And the schizophrenic says, you don't understand. It's not just a voice in my head. It's like having someone this close to me yelling at my face saying, you're going to hurt this person now, or I am going to keep doing this. No matter where you run, no matter where you go, that face, that voice is inside of your head, and it will not stop yelling at you until you do it. I have to do it. And he draws this comparison. He goes, doesn't that sound a lot like, you know, the Homeric verses where Achilles was thrust in to start killing people. And like, it's just, it breaks down the evolution of the bicameral mind. And then he talks about how it potentially migrates to the left hemisphere of the brain, which where Ian McGilchrist comes in, he wrote a book called uh, The Master and His Emissary. And he says that the left brain is the, now has the speech centers. And so the right brain comes up with the concepts, but the left brain expresses them. And the left brain's gotten a little cocky and decides he doesn't need the right brain anymore. So he's decided to do away with the emotion and just become the analytical scalpel and talk about things and rationalize things. And so many people are left brain today that we've gotten away from what you were talking about earlier about the right hemisphere of the brain, seeing the beauty and the love and the concepts and, and the artwork in the world. And it just, it just kind of makes sense is to see that the 
hardcore, logical, analytical world we live in today is so left brain. What, yeah. what are, can you talk a little bit more about the, the left brain and right brain and what you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's, that's a way for us to, to comprehend it, but it, it, it's, it's, it's all energy in, in the brain it's a muscle and, uh, what that book is talking about is neuroplasticity. You know, we, we can, we can train and evolve our mind and create connections between the right and left brain <laughs> and almost become friends with this analytical, logical minded, because it's not a bad aspect um, of us. There's, there's no bad or good. It's just, it just is. So when we learn what it is and, and learn how to work with this thinking mind, analytical mind, which is, is, is a good aspect to be able to help us grow. Um, but it serves its purpose to a point like the right side of the mind is more subconscious, more creative, more physical, more emotional. It's kind of like, why would you get in a car and try to drive with your thoughts? You know, being <laughs> linear minded, like you're not going to be, you're not going to drive with your left, left side of the brain. You're going to learn how to tap into your physical body. So it can put your hands on the steering wheel and actually drive. And we have to create an open connection. I, I say we have to be like children. <laughs> we have to go back to being like children who are so connected and so open, you know, and, and just connected to all aspects of their mind and kind of hold that place even in adult adulthood. Um, we create this division between the two minds. And then we say we have a left and right brain. But we can train ourselves, I feel, to have an open brain where it's not really divided in left and right. It's, you know, you have your analytical mind or thinking mind or linear aspect of the mind when you need it uh, during certain situations. But then you also have this more esoteric and feeling and creative aspect of the mind and helping it all just become more solidified and, and working with each other. Um, you know, for me, meditation, hypnosis and things like that can help with that, that openness because uh, you know, we we don't know all the abilities. We really don't, and and what we can do. You know, we're 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 still understanding where we came from, <laughs> like you know, who we came from, how we were evolved. You know, going back to Darwinism and whatnot. Um, but we definitely have the ability to to um, change to change it. We can choose to to be. Uh, more open to different things as opposed to linear and logical and a right or wrong way. You know, we, we do have to train. It. It's a muscle. It's, it's all training. It's like lifting a weight and, and then, you know, five pounds and then lifting 10 pounds the next day. It's going to be hard. People are going to resist it. They're like, no, 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 no. My way is the only way. Uh-uh. <laughs> and, you know, but we have to kind of challenge ourselves and be, um, and, and be open to the possibility more the possibility of what if what could be there you know of even looking and being like oh maybe darwin didn't know everything <laughs> maybe einstein didn't know everything and not be so held to those beliefs those narrow ways of seeing seeing life that's that that for me is is you know letting go of left side dominant and stepping into right side but it's allowing it both to be open and connected, creating those pathways of connection between both aspects of our mind. You know, we don't want to shut off or reject or turn off the part of us. We just want to create a connect connected mind. <laughs> Pliability, neuroplasticity. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? <laughs> right. It's so true. It blows me away. Even in this conversation, like I, you know, like, why would I describe it left brain, right brain? Like, that's think about the speech I said. They're like, that's silly. Like, it's it's whole brain. But I'm I'm over here like left brain, right brain. Like, that, well, it, that's so how we understand things, right? Mm. And that's that's a thing. So language is a way for us to understand things, and we have to find that common pattern in order to then carry us to different concepts and ideas, right? So sometimes, and that's the part the part about communication. It's, it doesn't matter what I say, it matters how you interpret it. So even when you mm. asked me earlier about, about um, diversity versus inequality, like those words, I wanted to clarify what those even mean for me, the definition behind it, because we misconstrue like what words mean to us, because they mean different. You right. know, they do. And so right, left brain is kind of like a meeting ground for us to bring you out, <laughs> to bring you out yeah. to other, other, that's how most people um, view it. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Like I, I believe the world is made of language and 
you know, when we talk about how as a child we're given these things, imagine, I, I think it was Terrence McKenna who says, you know, imagine what we do to children. Like imagine being a baby in a crib and this beautiful little hummingbird flies in and the kid just sees this crazy magical little beast flapping its wings and it's gorgeous. It's like making its little beautiful sounds. And the baby sees a miracle. And then I just go and ruin it and go, that's called a bird, Johnny. That's a bird. Like I've just yes. taken away all the magic from it, right? It's gone. I love that. And, yes. And we do that <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah. And like we label stuff to, to make it fit in this tiny little box so we can store it. But when we do that, we eliminate the magic and the beauty of life. Like it's it's not that you're Anne Marie. You are this incredible woman that has so much love. She's helping people. She's seeing things. She's conquering things. Like, you know, we're more than labels. We're more than words. And the world is made of language. What do you think? I, I, oh, I love that. I love that so much. Um, the labeling definitely takes away from the beauty. I mean, <laughs> when you think about a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, like, come on. <laughs> That is just metamorphosis to the nth. I mean, come on. That is magic happening right there. Like when you know, I had a conversation during med school, when we were doing, when we were, we were um, embryology, you know, we were learning about embryology and how when uh, a fetus is created, how this folds into this and this folds into this and it creates the heart and it creates the ears and it creates the hand and it, this folds and this folds and this folds. And I'm like, but how? <laughs> like, <laughs> But how? Like, how does he know, know to fold? Like, I, I want to know, like, like how? Oh, well, this chemical is released, and then it knows to fold. How does the chemical know how to release? Like, how? Like, I want to know the essence of the, the why. Honestly, for me, it's magical. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just magical that 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 life is created because a medicine does not explain it. It does not explain it. <laughs> and that's why we even have medical conditions like idiopathic conditions. This is, there's there's a, a huge lump sum of, of medical conditions, which they lumped under this disease called idiopathic. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> idiopathic. It, yeah. Idiopathic disease is basically when I was in med school, because I was like, well, what, what caused this disease? I'm doing like pathology at the time. And they're like, well, we don't know. That's why we're calling it idiopathic. I'm like, that's the idiot answer. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> like, like, there has to be an answer as to why, you know, these are these diseases that seem to come out of nowhere are being created. And when I learned about emotions and when I learned about the subconscious mind, it just, it answered everything. I'm like, no, this is not idiopathic. This is the pattern of us feeling sad, of us, of our beliefs, of our depression, of our anxiety. Every idiopathic condition is tied to stress. It, it, like, hello, can nobody see that pattern? Then, then why are we not focusing on just living more balanced, aligned, stress-free, understanding these emotions, how to let go of them, how to transform them like the butterfly, <laughs> like the caterpillar turns into the butterfly. Um, yeah, it's just like magic is the answer for everything it is that energy source that we just cannot explain not even doctors medicine no you ask a doctor about embryology and if you can find an answer as to why that chemical is released and they may say it's because oh well this release this chemical release and causes this to release and this to release but how do we this pattern of life of of cycles it's like the reason like the moon circles around the earth you know, women have like, for example, their monthly cycles, like it is, everything is a pattern in a cycle, as you say, and, you know, a hundred percent aligned with that, that yes. And that, that cycle is life and that's the magic, right? That's, that's the magic for me that we take away with labels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, in, in some ways, language is our greatest gift, but it's our greatest like <laughs> suppression as well. Yeah, yeah, both, right? Yeah. I agree. It's a meeting it ground, is. but then it's like, you know, it's it's a way for us to be able to have these discussions and connect with people. And, you know, um, I was watching a documentary on uh, The Fifth Kind. It's like a YouTube channel that talks about that I know stuff. It. Wait, you know it? Okay. I do, of <laughs> yeah, course. Of course you, do. <laughs> you know, when they have this documentary, it's like this four hour. It's really good, of course. And uh, maybe you've seen it. And, you know, they were talking about the tablets that they found in these, like the the ancient, like, you know, communication. And, you know, it's, it's, 
it all was a way to just data to to allow it to make sure like we all are are not losing these concepts, these metaphors, these understandings of of life. And when we make that turn more into more than what it is, then that's when I think it's a disservice to us, right? When that that becomes the only answer, kind of like idiopathic disease. That's not the end. That's not the you know. And that's what I also see with you know when I have clients come into my office and they um you know, and they have been diagnosed with diseases before from a, from a doctor. And I'm like, you know, they become so tied to that, that then it becomes the issue. It's like, oh, well, it's my this and it's my that and it's my this and it becomes their identity. And that's when that label becomes so tied to them that it's not serving them at all. You know, it's, I like to say, it's kind of like, you know, everybody go, can go through a remission. We can be let go of these, these labels or these parts of us. We just, you know, have, have to, learn how to heal, <laughs> like to let go of them, but it's not who you are. That's not you. Um, these like diseases and conditions, it's just, it's just, you know, it's everybody has emotions, for example. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the metaphor of the cocoon. It's I, it, just like a silkworm spins a web, it gets caught up in it. So do we spin our lives and get caught up in it. Right. And then pretty soon all we can see is this cocoon around us. And <laughs> But on, a, yeah. on, a, on taking it one more level further, I think that that's where we are as a world right now. Like we're, We are cracking out of this cocoon as a butterfly. We've been a caterpillar forever. And all of a sudden, we've gone into this deep sleep where we've just had labels and gone through emotions. And we, right now, we're cracking open this, hey, what's this internet thing? Hey, what is this? Like We don't even realize our own form and how beautiful we are. We're like, I don't feel right. This is weird, you know? <laughs> But we're going to yeah. emerge as this butterfly that is going to take flight and just surprise the very depressed among us, how beautiful they are, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it blows my mind. It reminds me of one other concept of, uh, I might mix up these two words, but it, it's, have you ever heard of the theory of recapitulation, like phylogeny recreates phylogeny or, or something along those lines? It says this, it says that. When we are born, we go through every stage of our evolution through the process. So when you're born, you're first you're like a little swimmer, like like you'd be a sperm, like a little swimmer sea creature, and then you meet an egg, and then those two cells unite. And then if you were to watch a sonogram and watch the baby develop as they're being born, what you would see is this egg begin to, to divide cells, and then it becomes like a little sea creature. It grows a little tail, and then it kind of looks like a little monkey. You know, I, I don't know. If, I don't really think we came from monkeys, but the theory of recapitulation says that we go through every stage of our human evolution in the womb when we're created. It's 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 pretty fascinating to think about. And there's so many. If you look up the theory of recapitulation, it, it will it will tell you in detail and give you the ideas of of who came up with this stuff. But it, it's fascinating, and it totally reminded me of what you said about our evolution and how we go and patterns. And it, it just fits the motif we were talking about how everything, how we are a pattern. And if you look for the pattern, you can see it everywhere in yourselves and other people. And once you can identify that pattern, I think that's when you can really start helping yourself and other people. And that's why we went through those traumas of like, okay, I went through the pattern. Now it's my turn to help someone else through the pattern. Yeah. And it, it, it just shows like, hey, we're the same person. And yeah. you know, what you see in other people is only what you can see in yourself. So if you can only see, if everyone around you is an a-hole, everyone who's bad, guess what? You're bad. You know, yeah, exactly. you should find the beauty in that other person because otherwise you're going to see. Speaking of beauty, look at this beautiful little girl. I, I see. Mm, I love you, lady. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, go ahead. Drink, drink some water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, I don't know what I would do without her. She's oh, got her own podcast. This girl. Ah, nice. Good for yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, I had some other questions written down. I wanted to ask you. Let mm -hmm. me see. Are you doing okay on time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. I, I, I love this stuff, man. I can spend a talking good. about it. <laughs> Me too, because I wrote down like a bunch of pages. So let's see what we got here. Oh. Have you noticed an uptick in issues of mental health since the outbreak of this pandemic or since the economy kind of crashed? Uh, definitely more awareness. I think because people are able to um, be with themselves more and and 
you know, we're, we're limited to distractions out, you know, cause we can't go out or, you know, there, there's such a huge transformation, even in the job market. Like I remember recently listening and a lot of people are leaving, you know, um, their, their jobs because they want to find more balance. So now corporations yep. are trying to, you know, increase all these benefits <laughs> because they want to, uh, they're, they're, they don't have employees and because people are becoming more aware, hundred percent feel that we're becoming more aware of, um, this life and, and that, that it is precious and it is a gift and it is an experience that you have the ability to, to manifest it or create it to what you want. So I'm definitely seeing a huge uptick in, in awareness and, and people wanting to help, help themselves because of that. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I really think that there's a lot of people that COVID has helped in understanding like, or waking up, like, what am I doing every day? Every day I wake up and I leave my family and I go somewhere else and then I drop my kid off at a place that I don't really know and then I come home. Like, <laughs> what am I doing? This is the this is the exact opposite of what I should be doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It makes me yeah. it's it's just I think we're headed towards a really good place and it's because of the crisis that we're in. And I because I think crises lead to good places, you know? Yeah. They happen yeah. for a reason, Rebirth. right? Yeah, yeah. and people are seeing also, you know, I have to, again, commend like technology. It, it's if because of the technology that now even people are more open to, we're having greater re reach and we're able to create our lives that are that that give us the freedom maybe to be in a beautiful island like Hawaii and also, <laughs> you know, do a podcast and have reach and and and, you know, do what feels good and passionate you feel good about, you know, and, and that's, that's the, the awareness that people are, are, are coming to, I believe, you know, having these, these, these platforms like this, <laughs> to, right. to, do this to meet people no matter where they are. And, you know, um, there are more platforms like this that are becoming more evolved and better even at how it does its service just because there's more of a need now. And so I think that's helping us to create more balance in our life, the technology, you know, there's always obviously like another side of it that we can look at where it's like, some people will say, Oh, it's, 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 it's not, it's good. It's isolating us and whatnot. I mean, that is for you to choose to not isolate yourself then <laughs> to, to still ha have that balance that you, that feels right for you to be able to engage with others, but also, you know, have maybe freedom of pursuing a, a job that allows you to be remote remote because you're seeing that now people are wanting to go specifically to jobs that are remote and then you know corporations are being like no 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 come back to the office and they're like no 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 <laughs> i know i can do this here right. and i just just fine so why <laughs> yeah i hope that that's what people like that's one thing i hope people take away from covid like instead of this being a pandemic maybe this is what freedom looks like Maybe this mm -hmm. is the beginning of what the future is going to be. And I think it's anybody's game. I, you know, technology is not good or bad. It's, it's neutral. It, it, can be, it can be the greatest um, liberator or it could be the greatest suppressor. And it's just what we choose to do with it, right? Like it's, it's there for everybody. And, mm -hmm. and in a way, I think things have always been so crazy. It's just now we know about it. And the, the question is, what are we going to do about it? And so yeah. I, I, I think... I really do. I think we're headed towards some some a, a world in which education takes new forms and it equalizes as much as it can the world yeah. around us. You know, I I I, I I'm curious. Like information is everywhere. I'm curious what you think about this. Like when I think about psychology and philosophy and and hypnosis, like it, it seems that a large part of it has been used to dictate people's beliefs to them. Like you were saying that some doctors will prescribe medicine to people and they become that reality. They become the, oh, I am, I have diabetes, so that's why I'm heavy. I have schizophrenia, that's why I'm crazy. I have depression, that's why I'm not fun to be around. And they've taken these labels because we, on some level, medicine has decided that it's good to give people labels. And, and what do you, what, what is your take on that? So it, it there's, there's, um, 
it's it's like the placebo effect. So we have the placebo effect because belief is very powerful, um, the power of belief. And so if we believe that's what it is, that's what it is. And I mean, this is this is kind of a deep concept for people to kind of wrap their heads around. But, um, you know, we the, the power of belief can eliminate a lot. Um, good. You spoke, spoke about books. Um, I don't know if you heard Tom Campbell, the power, um, the, the, the big toe. <laughs> He's a physicist. Um, he, um, the big toe, which is the uh, theory of everything. The toe is theory of everything, T-O-E. <laughs> and, you know, he, he talks about this in there very, very good. I mean, he's a physicist, so he's able to kind of put the science, the logical mindedness to the metaphysical world in there. And, you know, how, how it's explained is just that we, 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 we culturally create our reality. Oh, can you hear me? <laughs> oh, hello? Oh? I, I'm, I, I, uh, you sound distant now. <laughs> Speak. Um, I didn't, I didn't touch anything, but I can't hear you now. You sound distant. Uh oh. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I'm back. I think it was me. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, um, the big toe. He's a physicist. Yeah, it's a really good book. It's a dense book. It's 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 a good read, but it's a, a very big read. Um, and collectively as a culture, we are creating beliefs. So if you think about, you know, uh, my phone, you know, the only reason why we have phones is because collectively as a society, we have created phones. So now this is a physical reality. So the same thing with the building that I'm living in. I did not manifest this, but society has manifested. So society creates this, this realm, this reality that we're in, right? It's like a dream world <laughs> that we're in that was, uh, that is an illusion in a sense. It's a collective illusion. And we cannot change its collective illusions because we're kind of vibrating in this realm <laughs> of this collective illusion. And, and medicine is the same way. So beliefs of diseases are the same way or, you know, it is, it is a big, 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 big placebo because we are, it's so deeply ingrained in us as a society right now. Um, and I mean, in my line of work, I've seen some miracles. <laughs> so, you know, I, I've seen some miracles that have that have happened. That is just like you 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 have to experience that to actually believe the power of belief that 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 the mind can do these things when we eliminate ourselves from these collective illusions of false reality that is not real. <laughs> and that's why I said this is going to be a deep. This is kind of a deep pill, and I don't know. It's it was hard for me to even swallow and i still continue to learn how to swallow this by taking in you know reading and, and meditating and learning and and whatnot but you know the we are experiencing a big placebo even around how we treat you know um how to live our building that we live in is almost like a big placebo because there are so many people that bought into this manifestation this creation you know what I mean? So everybody like multiple, like if you think about a thousand people believing in one thing, then like you're one person that doesn't want to believe in that. It's, it's, it's like you're fighting against the current because that current is going in this direction. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And, but for the people that really, really, really believe something, they can kind of step out of that, that current and not believe, not see that, not see that. <laughs> I'm explaining this clearly. That is it's beautiful. And it, like, I haven't, I didn't even think about that, but now that I, now that I listened to the way you put that, it seems like there is a large, like if, if you look at our society, it's been engineered that way. Like that is no child left behind. That is every kid should learn the same thing in every school. That is the people on top wanting us to live in a world where we think the same. And I could understand why they would want to do that for national unity or, you know, for some order, some uh, order. Cause it helps yeah, some order. It, it helps. Right. There's nothing wrong or right about this. So it's, it, it is an order. It's a way of being able to construct something to be able to understand it. Cause it's kind of like the ant on the floor, uh, you know, um, looking up, seeing the dust particles in the air and thinking it's stars. Like it's, it's, 
they have their own perception that they have to be able to grasp upon their experience. And we are the same way. Like we have to grasp upon this experience we're having, um, no matter how real or not real it may seem. <laughs> so it's kind of like the ant. Like we just have to understand what we're experiencing and, and, and be okay with not knowing things that we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It makes, it makes, it's beautiful. I, I, it just, it makes my mind explode. Like I, I think that there's yeah, so many yeah. people trying to keep this illusion alive and like nobody wants it anymore. It's like this yeah. illusion is dumb. I don't want it anymore. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm that hippie where I'm like, let's just go hold hands and sing and like go by. Right? Why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, why, why do we have to have you know these, you know, um you know, animals are huge for me and children and animals. I mean, that's like the main thing. It's like, no matter what, I still see these, you know, people going through um, trauma, you know, and it is, it's, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy to watch and, and, and be okay with, but I'm, I'm telling you that when you, um, when you gain an understanding of that, this is not the only reality that we have, to kind of pull it back that this is not the only reality that we have, that we have other realities that are beyond this physical existence. It really creates a sense of like, I can live. I, I, I can just let go and, and trust that, you know, um, that it's, it's going to be okay, you know, and, and that I don't need to rush or push or force. I can just kind of let let the let everything involve the way it needs to and, and let someone have that experience and hope that they grow and learn from it i event they eventually will grow and learn from it um there's another really 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 good book um i mean i'm i'm esoteric i guess <laughs> spiritual i love it i love it and and there's um you know michael newton who is uh he does uh, life between lives hypnosis that's what his his model of approach is life between lives and um his name is michael newton he's well known for that and a lot of people know about hypnosis being like past life regression work i don't do that i focus on present life um it has its place i'm not I'm not saying that it doesn't but for me i like to focus on present life I, because there's a lot of work we can do in present life and so michael newton really um explored this life between lives exploration he found that when he was taking people on these past life experiences that they would pop into this like life between lives experience that was spiritual the spiritual and um world reality experience whatever um and man that that he he's collected like tons and tons of um you know, uh, re research reports from people that he did this on and their answers are all like the same. It's like, how, how do these people come up with the same answers of like soul contracts or, you know, their, um, their, their soul groups or, or their purpose, or, you know, just a lot of answers that just made complete sense when I did it. And I did it on myself, of course, and, um, had that experience. And, and when you, when you go through that, it's just like, wow, like there's, there's so much to this non-physical world, um, that is there. And, and, and that we took a kind of side turn, but, it's, but I, highly uh, it's awesome. I highly encourage anybody to read, read that. If, if, you know, if you're looking for discovery, um, want to just understand like who we are on a more essence, like on a, on a more energy, energy like spirit self uh journey of souls or um journey of souls is is his book um and it's so good and it just answers so many questions and it's really great research um he's a pioneer in regards to the hypnotherapy field doing that what what is a soul contract <laughs> so <clears throat> we basically um you know in life between lives we we um we have almost like these groups that we are evolving as a spirit with, and um, we uh, work with them. That's why we, we may meet people that feel like we've known them from a past life, or we feel just this instant connection with certain people. And it's because we have known them from, from the spirit realm or that realm. Um, and, we meet people on a deep level 
And we basically come to an agreement that they're going to teach us a lesson. And so speaking about kind of what I brought up earlier is that we say, you know, we want to evolve as an energy. We want to, we want to grow because the only way for us to be able to become wise is to experience. It's kind of like reading, you can read the menu at the restaurant, but until you actually take that bite of food, that (laughs) is like the experience, right? And so the spirit's the same. It wants to experience. That's how it learns. That's how it becomes wise and grow. So we come into our life form in order to be able to do that. So we make agreements with people within our group or maybe even outside of our group that we became friends with to say, like, this is what I need to, I want to learn. I want to learn how to uh, control my emotions or to, um, to have compassion or to really experience love or to, you know, to, to, to have these lessons in life. So we have a contract with someone to help us learn those, learn those things. And so we even almost go through like a school to kind of give us these cues within our life, which are called synchronicities. And so the synchronicities are the cues to kind of, you know, gravitate to this. That's why things will happen. You're like, you just feel like I need to follow this or I need to speak with this person or I need to do this. And, and then that becomes this beautiful synchronicity that turns into like these amazing, like who knows, life-changing events or, you know, becomes your partner or or whatever it is. And it's because, um, you know, these, these, these are the cues that we were kind of kind of prepared for before we came into this life to fill our contracts with one another. So it's an agreement that we have with different people or different spirits to be able to learn things in this experience. I love that. I've never heard of that before. And I'm so much better because I heard that. Thank you. It's beautiful. It it makes, it makes so much sense. You're going to love, you're going to love his, uh, his content, uh, Michael Newton. So he's written uh, three main books, the journey of souls, um, destiny of souls and uh, life between lives. Um, and it's just all about him doing this, this hypnosis and then finding, and it's the, the reports from these people. So he kind of collects them all and just gives like the overall responses that ha- they had. And it's profound. It is. It sounds amazing to me. Yeah. I've had, I think, you know, I've had some interesting experiences too on the concepts of time and, and it, after you've had certain experiences, it's like, there's no going back. You know, there's no once you leave the illusion, you can never have that illusion without skepticism again. And and it's in some ways, I think that maybe some people need to go through this. Maybe it's it's they need to go through the illusion first. Maybe they're at a different time than us, or you know, because time is such an amazing concept. We're talking across time zones. If you live in a different country, you could be in a different day. If you know what, like I think the Israeli calendar, the in the Saudi Arabian calendar, like they're in different years. You know, the <laughs> yeah. the Russian calendar is different. Like, why why is our time right? Maybe you know, maybe it is the year nine hundred right now. You know, who am I to say it's the year twenty twenty two? You know, and yeah. you can find evidence in in that particular idea of how people are living in different parts. And but yeah. I, I got to reread. I got to read that stuff. It's, it sounds amazing to me. It sounds <laughs> yeah, it's super amazing. It's fascinating. It really is. What else do I have on here? I have, um, do you, are you familiar with the different types of, um, is there like a certain type of psychology you use when you talk to people or is it something you've kind of invented on your own? Is it like a gestalt <laughs> therapy or what, what, what are you familiar oh. with it? What do you like to do and, and what do you like? Yeah. 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 I do. I do gestalt. I, I do. I do that type of therapy. Um, you know, I, I, I um, parts work. Um, I, IFS, like those are kind of what I bring in, but um, I do that while they're in a trance state. Um, well, when they're in that relaxed, more trance state, um, I do regression where we look at a past event or memory or experience in order to reframe how you experience it. Because most people will look at something and maybe they're charged about it. So um, an example would be, let's say someone's terrified of swimming. And I live in Florida. So I have, oh, you're in, you're in Hawaii. So I love the beach. I live really close to the beach. And, um, you know, I'm not scared of water and water's fine. I can swim in it. it can be There can be sharks way below. I'm I'm okay. <laughs> I've done scuba diving, so I'm good. Um, 
but other people, they can be in like maybe waist deep water and they're terrified, terrified. So there's nothing, it doesn't have to do with the water. It has to do with the way that they view the water, the, the emotions. And so I help them kind of shift the perspective or create new pathways on viewing how to view the water. Because what created that perspective is, a, is an event or memory. You know, it's an event memory or a trauma that made them physically react in that way. And so I communicate with the subconscious mind in past memories to see what, what we need to do in order to come to a different view, a different way of viewing it. So then you're not perceiving it the same way. So that's regression work. I, I focus on present life regression. I don't do a lot of past life. I, ha- I can, I'm able to, I do it, but that's not my focus. Um, I believe that we chose to come into this life and we chose to come into this life to learn and grow. So there's a lot of growth that we can do in this present life. Um, so I like to focus on that. Uh, what other? I mean, I am more of, I'm a human. So, um, and this is probably why some of my clients do come to me is because I'm, I, I do have that coaching way of approaching a a person as opposed to authority figure you know i I want you know i share metaphors or experiences to for them to be able to understand because when someone comes to you for help there's this almost immediate fear um of of judgment and it's it's a lot of reactions that we have we we fear judgment we when someone's coming to me and, and talking about things that are they have never spoken to anybody about, about before, and that's why they're coming because it's something that's you know deep. <laughs> so there is this letting go of, of judgment, knowing that I see you from a very different lenses, you know, uh, from a lenses of being able to heal myself and help myself, and kind of see you as your energy and not what's on the outside. <laughs> and so I see you as connected energy. I don't see you as a human in a sense like this is a human form. I see you, I see all your beliefs or ideas which are limiting you as impressions from society that are not yours. You just took them on and made them yours, but they're not yours. And so there's no judgment. And so I approach my clients that way in a more like coaching manner of like, hey, we come together and help you. You know, I, I'm, I'm not here to just, for you to just vent to me. I'm going to help give you a way of doing something, but it's up to you to want that, you know. There's like a meeting in the middle. <laughs> so there's a lot yeah. of different techniques that I use. And I also say that's also because of my path, you know, that that um, mindfulness, meditation. I'm big about that. Becoming the observer. Like the more aware you are, the, you know, um, the more you can choose to change. You know, if you're aware of something, you have free will to be able to choose a different path. <laughs> but you have to be aware of it. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. I it's it's almost like you become the voice in someone's head to become the guiding voice, and it's like, hey, I'm gonna be in your head for a little bit. I'm gonna show you how to do it, and then I'm gonna leave, and then you do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's beautiful though. I I, um, I I I find it I find it I I find people that enjoy helping other people to be beautiful, and so I. I'm loving our conversation. It's oh, uh, that's why you're beautiful else? too. <laughs> <laughs> you're just saying that because it's true. <laughs> no, you're helping people. Trust me. The ability to speak out, to just like you know, give to be to be um, vulnerable with yourself. You know, you are human, and you're letting people know that. And I think that is the most. I think that is already healing to make sure people know that they're not alone. Um, that whatever they're posting on their Facebook or on social media is like there are, we are human. We all feel feelings and we all been through things and you know, you're not alone. And I think that's, that's what we do when we share. And so you've done that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I really think that there's something like I've been reading a lot of linguistics lately and you know, I think there's a problem while we talked about it earlier, while language is a great gift, it's also a problem, especially when we begin changing. I, I guess language is always evolving. However, I read th- there's something called the Sapir Whorf theory, S A P I R, Sapir Whorf theory. And what it says is that the more complicated a language, the better communicators people are. For example, um, you know, some languages, like uh, in German, they have this term called schadenfreude. And schadenfreude is one word that means the concept, I get happy when something bad happens to you. 
You know, and, and you think like, oh, I've had that feeling before. I didn't know there was a word for it. In in the Japanese language, there's a certain word for the clouds slightly covering the moon, but light still shining out of it. I forgot <laughs> what that word is called. But there's, you know, there's these one word for this giant concept. And and the better and more elegant you are, the better command you have for us at the English language, the better you are able to communicate. And you had spoke earlier about how how crucial it is to define terms because I could say something and it means something totally different to me than to you. You know, and what if what if I was here in Hawaii and I was speaking to someone in India? They may or I'll give you a better example. I was at a meeting with uh, at my at my child's school and we were having a parent group meeting with some counselors and some teachers. And one of the, the counselors asked can someone please tell me what they want for their children? And a beautiful young woman who was Japanese got up and said, I want my child to be obedient. And I'm thinking, that's the last thing I want for my kid. I don't want, you know, my idea of obedience is someone do this, do this now. But that was not, she didn't want her kid to be that. She wanted her kid to be respectful and kind and be a good person. However, community, right? Look, yeah, community. yeah. Because the, the Asian culture is all about like community, like serving the community. Yeah, and so it's you know, it, like a, a light went off in my head, like, oh wow, it's it's so easy to get caught up in our language, especially when we speak a same language, but it might mean something different. So, you know, I I think that in the future, you know. It, as I'm going off on this tangent, like, isn't it interesting that the Tower of Babel was about all these people that spoke a language and then they were dispersed all over the world? You know, is that metaphor telling us that we need to be able to all communicate effectively if we want to build something great? Or is that saying, hey, when you guys all get together, you're a problem. We got to move you all around here. You know, I guess it could be said either way, but I really think that the future of linguistics is imperative is imperative for us to build the world we want to live in. We need to be able to better understand how to communicate effectively so, so I can see what you're feeling. Because and, and this gets me back to what we were talking about, masks. And, you know, like I am really enjoying this conversation. And I can see the love in your eyes. And I can see you smile. And I, can, I know you're having fun and I'm having fun. But there's something to be said about if we were sitting next to each other. And that something is called the felt presence of the other. When you sit with somebody that you're trying to help, you could probably do it on the phone, but it would be less effective because you're not you're not there with them. And when we're together, there's that felt presence of the other. And I, I feel like that is such an important part of linguistics because so much communication comes from more than words. Mm -hmm. I think that's a song, but there's more, <laughs> there's more, you know, there, there's more, something yeah, there. Yeah. And I, I, I think this helps. I, I think it's nice to open up the world to have conversations across the world. But I hope we don't lose this felt presence of the other. And I, I, I guess I, I guess I'm a little concerned with that. With so much distance learning and so much work from home, while there's such benefits, I'm afraid of losing the felt presence of the other. What can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. No. I, I get what you mean. I, um, you know, I, I guess that's why. I would not leave my live aspect of my practice because I, I like having that. Um, but then again, there's like the ability to have a session with someone in the UK. Um, it's awesome, you know, that, that yeah. maybe listen to my podcast or, you know, met me through some other means and just really aligns with how I, because you know, it's building that trust. And they're like, I really want to work with you. And being able to work with them across the US is, is fantastic. But also, yes, I, I do agree that there's, you know, there, there are more subconscious cues that you can pick upon, pick up upon when you're sit, sitting right next to each other. Like even the direction of their feet, you can tell when someone's ready to step out. They're like, okay, don't want this conversation. Feet are turned that way. I want to go that way. <laughs> you know, like if I can't see your feet, which I can't right now, then, you know, but you know, you're turned out, you're looking, you're at the screen, you're, you're, you're facing towards me. So it's like, you know, um, those subconscious cues can be gained more in person. I a hundred percent agree. And I mean, I, I don't think we're going to 100% lose that, you know, I, I, so I'm not as worried, like, you know, there are opportunities, I don't know how it is in, and actually, it was in Hawaii, I was in the Big Island. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't too bad. That was in September. Um, in regards to like, you know, still having op 
options for us to um, engage, you know, and and where I am in South Florida, we have those options. So I'm not fearful that that's going to go away. And um, I feel comfortable and safe with being able to engage, you know, in those environments with who I'm engaging with. So I, I, I'm not concerned that it's going to go away. Um, I just think this is like the cherry on the top. It's kind of like another additive that, that's there for us to be able to to engage with people. So <laughs> I'm not too concerned, but maybe it's just my optimistic side. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. If, if, if Dr. Anne-Marie could build the world and have a, and have a huge impact, if, if you could build the world 20 years from now, what are some things that would be in that world that aren't in that world today? What would be in that world? Um, oh boy. <laughs> That's a good question. What would 20 years from now, what would be in that world? What are some changes you would like to see? So, <laughs> I mean, things that I cannot change now. Uh, I do believe that, um, that there is an order and um, that it needs to start with the top to help trickle down. So I, I do believe that there needs to be big changes and in influence in, in, in our government, you know, in, in our um, corporations. Uh, and I do believe that there are corporations now that are becoming more mindful in, in a sense, uh, ethically conscious. And I, I think that's where we would need to start at least to have representation um, that is not maybe uh, focused on monetary gains or abundancies in that nature because we're even culturally um, stigmatized to, to focus so much on financial gain. Uh, we think that is power. We think that is that is that is purpose. That 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 financial wealth is is kind of the end game, you know. And 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 there's a lot of people within corporations and government that 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 are doing that. So I think that that needs to change for us to see that that that's not, you know. And I've worked with people that are that that are very wealthy, and you know they they're not happy. <laughs> like you know, and it's like you got all the money in the world, and it's like you know so. So we're here. We all want the same thing. We all want to to feel peace. We all want to feel happy. We all want to feel balanced. And I and I think if more people that are in control at the higher level can be able to become aware of that and kind of grow their own awareness and empathy, then I think maybe that will trickle down. So I would I would love for a lot of transformations to occur, but I have to start from the top, in my opinion. Yeah, here in Hawaii, we have a saying that says the fish rots from the head down. You, know, you can ask any fisherman. <laughs> it's, they love fishing there. <laughs> Fish and flowers. Uh, we got them all. Oh, man. Here. Yeah, I mean, Hawaii is, is just is gorgeous. The culture is just, it's, I love it. I loved it. Um, the culture. It's and beautiful. The, the culture there is just so strong, you know. <laughs> it'll change you. If you come and live yeah. here, it'll totally change you. You know, I, there's I no billboards over here. There's no advertising. Like, I didn't realize that until, you know, in Southern California, I grew up and a lot of my friends, I, I didn't realize how how much I was influenced by the environment. But so many of me and my friends, we were pretty hard chargers. And we would just booze it up all the time. And so much of my conversations were about, you know what I'm doing right now? I, just got, I got a new navigator. I got a boat. Hey, guess what? Guess where I live? You know who I'm talking to right now? Like, so much of my conversations, like that was the conversation. And it was like just this constant, like, you know what I'm doing? Oh, yeah, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. And like that was the whole conversation. And as I started, and I, moved, I moved to Hawaii in 06. And I was like that for a long time. And then one day I got a call from my friend. And the conversation was like, it was more him telling me these things he was doing. And I'm like, this guy is pretty arrogant. And I went, oh. That's me. That's this is my conversation. I always have oh, me. I'm the arrogant one. I am such an arrogant chump. No wonder people think like that. I am that, you know, but it took me, it took being deconditioned over here. And I started thinking about like, I wonder why I'm like that. And then when I went home, like I, I, you know, rented a car and there's, you're just bum 
bombarded with like, here's the perfect family. You should drink this alcohol. Look at this pretty girl. Look at this guy. Look at this car. <laughs> Look at these clothes. It's everywhere. It's just like bombarding you. How can you not feel inadequate when you're constantly bombarded by things that appear to be better? You know, and it's, yeah. it's this culture of corruption. It's this, it's this idea that money has seeped into anything and corrupted it, which brings me to a, an interesting question about you, you said that perhaps one of the best ways to, to change things is to start at the top. And I, I think it's a similar force in corporations and government and in people. And that is this, this idea of corruption. You know, people, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and I've kind of nailed it down to like, you know, it's the, it's the corruption. People are probably pretty good and they, maybe they think that they are providing the greater good for people. But do you think as a doctor and as a therapist, you have helped people become uncorrupted and you've used different techniques to do that. Do you think that we could somehow use some of those techniques to change the society or the governments we live in? Uh, right now, <laughs> <laughs> well, just on a small scale, like maybe we could start with like, what are some of the techniques you use to help people become uncorrupted? And then we could talk about if we could apply those yeah. to a bigger form. So someone has to want to want it. Right. And that's, that's the biggest change is if, if they don't want it, then they're not going to do it. And so if they want to want it, then, then they'll do it. Um, and that's just part of, part of their experience that they need to have. So like, when I have people come to me, it's it's they're not really fully aware of even what they want yet, you know, but in the end, it's always peace and happiness. And so it's like balance, peace, happiness, you know, time with family because it creates peace and happiness, you know, it creates this this uh, purpose value within their life. And um, when when people can kind of become aware of their why behind something, then then it's. It, it, it may be able to create change. So like people that are in large corporations or maybe heads of governments or whatever it may be, um, you know, if, if they go deep into the why, you know, okay, well, like had a client, they're like, you know, I, I want my company to be evaluated at, you know, 50 billion or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, what will, what will come of that? Um, I'll be able to buy a jet and fly around the world. And I was like, okay, well, what will come of that? Um, I'll be able to, uh, have free time and be with my wife and be with my kids and just travel around the world in my jet. And, and I was like, okay, well, what will come of that? Um, happiness, peace, da -da -da. and then it's like, well, you don't need to have this much in the bank in order to do that. Do you, <laughs> like, like, you know, you're chasing your why, but it's not it's not really, it's kind of like you're going in this huge circle loop of like, you think that that's what's going to get you that, but it's not, right? More money, more problems. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> the, bigger, the bigger his company got, the bigger, the more, the more he was stressed and just having to worry about, you know, um, this process or this person or this deal. And, and it was just more, but obviously this person wanted simplicity. You know, they wanted to, to be happy and, I would say if, if we can just identify our why behind what we're doing, the real why, not the superficial why. Oh, well, I want to have a lot of money. Well, why do you want to have a lot of money? Um, because you know, uh, people will accept me now and I can wear nice clothes and do this. <laughs> like, well, why do you want that? Because I just want to be loved. <laughs> like, like if right, you really so true. It's always about like, it always goes to just wanting to be, you know, loved, accepted, um, peace, balance. It's it always goes back to that, and the i the i the the stigma that we create socially is that money is our way to get that. But you know, it's it's that's that's the belief that that will get us that, but it it doesn't. It doesn't really get us that. So I think the why just just really digging into the why we're doing things and. Um, I guarantee you'll always go back to that. <laughs> yeah. If people actually sat with themselves and, and really uncovered that, like I would love to sit with someone and be able, well, what will come of that? What will come of that? <laughs> and then it will stump them, you know? Um, and people that don't want to listen though, will not listen. You know, it's, you, they're just not, it's just, there is just, and that's fine. You know, that's just, you got to, right now and we have to meet people where they're at in order to create change you know we can't i can't create change with force you know i have to i have to kind of 
uh, allow that change to occur by having them see the change, not me to see it for them. That makes sense. You know? Yeah, it totally does. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating to have conversations with people you care about. And then like, you know, you, you're trying to talk to them and then like, you just touch a nerve and they get super upset and you're like, Oh, I, okay. I see where we're going. You know, I, 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 I talked to some people at my work and I, and, uh, there's a, there's this older guy and a younger guy and the old, I, I feel bad for the older guy. Like he, he went down a wrong path and his life is very difficult right now and he, he's not ready to change, but there's a young guy that looks up to him. And I, I have, I try to talk to that guy and I try to explain to him, you know, sometimes metaphorically, sometimes straight to yeah. him. Like, do you realize, like, do you, like you, this is your mentor, right? Yeah. Okay. That's your mentor. You know what I mean? Like, look what's happening in his life. Do you think that what's happening in his life are a direct reflection of his decisions? Do you think that maybe you're making some of those decisions? And if you are, is it possible that you could end up like that guy? You know, it's, yeah, I'm out of here. And they walk away and it's like, oh, they're not ready to hear it. You know, and no. it, it makes me yeah. sad because I don't want that to happen to them. And, but, but it's necessary. These conversations are something I've, People have, I've been, I've been on the opposite side of that and walked away and been mad and yelled, me too. but I've gone back to it. Yeah. Right. You go back I mean, and like, we oh, they're trying to help me. Yeah. Oh, me too. Trust me. I had the, I had it the other day with my, with my boyfriend and you know, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's part of being human, um, part of the growth and just like learning how to accept where people are at. I mean, it's the hardest thing, especially when I, will talk to parents that call me for their kids that are maybe using drugs. And, you know, they, of course you want your child to change. And but the thing is they need to want it. You know, it's, it's my mother is in recovery. Well, my mother's um, in recovery, so she's been sober. But when, you know, she was using, it was like, I wanted so badly for her to change that I was doing the changing. I would search programs. I would, you know, try to hold her hand and do the work for her. And, you know, there, there came a day where I just was like, I got to lift my hands, wash them and just be like, I can't live your life. You have to want it for yourself. And that was the day she said, I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's like, she needs to take empowerment to recognize that she was worthy of, of, of that. And, and it was not easy and it's never easy. So whenever I talk to someone that's trying to, you know, that that's calling for someone else. I, I don't see them unless I talk to them. Cause I, I need to make sure that they want it. Cause honestly, I don't want to waste your money. Hey, you're going to waste your money. If you come to me, they need to want it. Like they may be just doing it just to shut you up, <laughs> you know? And that's the reality of it is just, you have to allow people to live their experience. The only thing you can control is yourself. So be able to live by, by, I would say live by example first. You know, I, I, that is the biggest influence. If you can live the life that you would want them to live, <laughs> then you're influencing them far more beyond than, you know, do as I say, not as I do, right? Like there's so many people that will do, that tell people how to live life, but are they living life that way? And and that's the biggest influence subconsciously to to just demonstrate, demonstrate that, it, you know, demonstrate peace, demonstrate love, demonstrate compassion, demonstrate forgiveness, demonstrate all of that. And then, you know, they're going to want a piece of that because you're living in this place of bliss all the time. <laughs> you know, you're living in this place yeah. of bliss where you're just like, ooh, <laughs> 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 good. <laughs> it's true. I, I often argue, like, especially with, with the situation we're in now, I realize that I don't have all the facts and I am, I'm given just little scraps of information about what's happening. But there are people in positions of authority feel it necessary and maybe rightfully so i'm not sure but to present the public with the greater good like yes this is bad but it's the best thing for everybody like i, I have such a difficult time with that argument and maybe it's because i'm not in a position to see all the numbers or something like that but i i don't i don't believe that anybody should have the right to make the greater good argument and i go back and forth sometimes but you know, I, I, I just think it's wrong for me to decide for other people because I don't know what they're going through. And people didn't know what was right for me when I was going through things. So maybe that's why I think that. What is your take on the greater good argument and, and how to maybe look at it? Yeah, 
honestly, I too don't know enough to be able to say like, hey, this is right for the greater good. I just, I just know that I, I feel I know what's best for me, you know, and yeah. because I'm the only one that's in my shoes. So <laughs> yeah. I can't say what the, you know, and then that's the same thing as a parent, right? We, we can't know exactly what that maybe child needs. We got to kind of explore who they are and what is it that they like and enjoy in order to be able to kind of um, help them find themselves. We don't tell them who they are. So the idea of greater good is, is, is definitely a hard pill for me to swallow. <laughs> if you like, yeah, there's one, one, one size fits all. Um, I, I do believe like there's, there is, common modalities in regards to how to live life that that are are spot on <laughs> right so nice. for example so like love and you know the common common um the common concepts you know going back to love forgiveness compassion and, and all those things you know those are the only things that i think are good for the greater good nice taking a moment to hang out with me in the true life podcast i truly appreciate it if you're taking some time to listen to this whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way i truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart additionally i would like to try to inspire everyone the world is a crazy place and if you listen to your heart and you take some chances i really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine i've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better, your life will be better and you know what, you deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.